Hi, I'm Angela Ardolino and welcome to Your Natural Dog, my podcast featuring in-depth conversation with the world's leading holistic veterinarians and pet care pros. Join us every week as we reveal natural alternatives to the outdated, one-size-fits-all pet care model we're used to. If you like what you hear, please make sure to leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. The only way we can get our message out to pet parents all over the world is with your support. Stop barking! I'm trying to record a podcast! Hey everybody, it's Angela Ardolina with Your Natural Dog, and my guest today is Dr. Lauren Beard, and she is a young veterinarian that immediately got out of school and realized she didn't really learn about healing or any natural modalities and immediately started to learn and and become an outspoken advocate uh, for the industry and speaking up about what she learned and what she didn't learn. So we're basically going to debunk some myths that we're told or what we think and kind of what really goes on when a vet goes through veterinary school and what they are taught and not taught and our opinions on why. (laughs) So stay tuned. It's a really interesting conversation with Dr. Lauren Beard when we come back. Hey, everybody, we're back with your natural dog and my very special guest, Dr. Lauren Beard. And you were one of those kick-ass, cool, young veterinarians that got out of school. You know what you are and why I think I like you so much? I feel like if I would have become a veterinarian that I was would be you, like Mm -hmm. where you were like, this is what I want to do. I don't care. No matter what you get into Mm -hmm. school, get out of school and go gosh, I don't know anything. I don't know anything (laughs) about healing or natural healing or why didn't I learn about that? What Mm. was, what was that experience like in school? Like, you know, it's strange because I'm like, there was like a part of me at one point that regretted that I didn't become a veterinarian. And now of course I don't regret it and feel lucky. And then I'm so grateful for people like you who come out and speak up a, because we know you know, how many veterinarians get into this to co-help animals and then realize that they've spent all this money to go to school and they still can't help animals and why we have such a huge suicide rate with veterinarians. It makes sense to me. And what's happening and why this is so important and why we need to talk about it is because we're losing the good ones, not the ones that get in to make money, not the ones that get into it so that this is a career. We're losing the ones that got into it to help the animals in the first place. And there's nothing to me more heartbreaking to think about that person in school. Yeah. And putting themselves through school and being in debt. I know vets who are my age, around my 50s, and who are still paying off student loans. That's insane. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my generation, they're working 60 to 80 hours a week and cared. That's not happening anymore. We're going to have a huge shortage of not only veterinarians, but the really good veterinarians. So I'm hoping, you know, we're going to have more people like you who are going to come out, who are going to empower the pet parent, going to tell the truth about what you do learn and what you don't learn in school. And I think it helps us also as pet parents to know what to look for. You know, if you see that veterinarian who is doing acupuncture or chiropractic or food therapy, nine times out of 10, they have gone out and have educated themselves, continued their education so that they could truly learn how to heal animals. Am I right? Yeah. So tell me what was like 
Like, did you get into year two and go, okay, maybe next year I'll get to learn about the good stuff? Well, I don't know that I had the right mindset going in. From the start, like when you start the application process for school, one of the biggest things people tell you is like, it's like drinking out of a, a fire hydrant. Like just get ready to just be overwhelmed constantly. So you're, before you're even in school, you're already ready for information overload. And it's like, you don't even have time to question what you're being taught because you're in class, you know, 10 hours, eight to 10 hours a day. And then you go home and you study until you fall asleep and then you repeat. And it wasn't until I really graduated from veterinary school and I looked back and I had clients asking me, I don't, I don't trust Apoquil. It's a new drug. And I'm like, oh, but it's, it's, you know, it's safe. And I started hearing myself regurgitating what the drug reps came in and said. And then I started questioning these other little things that happened throughout vet school that made me so comfortable with using certain pharmaceuticals, but really made me hesitate when anyone brought in a bottle of fish oil and asked me to check it let alone anything that contained CBD in it. There were just so many like things that were taught to you, like you use this med for this problem and it was painted as a very black and white picture. But as soon as you get into actually trying to help people and developing relationships, you realize people don't want this textbook answer. They want something for their pet. And so that takes thinking outside of the box and it takes releasing your ego, which you develop whether you mean to or not kind of as a protective mechanism, I think. Well, I mean, if you spend $250,000 on an education, I think that yeah. you're entitled to have some sort of ego that you know what the hell you're talking about. Well, that's what they want. <laughs> that's what they want you to think when you really stop thinking that way, or at least for me, what, cause I don't want to speak for everybody, but my experience was there was a few things that really changed me. And there was a couple of clients that I did not expect to break down over like vaccines. And I was like, I don't understand why this is so stressful for you. We really do separate things and individualize things. We, my pra first practice was great that way. But he was like, you don't understand. I don't do this for my children. I don't want to do it for my dog. And it was just this guy that I did not expect to have this conversation with. And it really got me thinking for the first time, like, well, why is he so scared? I was told this is totally safe or why are people questioning these dog foods? They're, they're great. They're researched. Like it wasn't until I started questioning, well, like, have I really looked into these things myself? Like I don't really have the time, but people want to know more. And then my own dog got sick and I was like, okay, I'm done with this. This isn't how I treat myself. So things changed for me really rapidly from there. And there's just so much in hindsight that I looked at vet school and I was like, what my dream was is to help people with help people and animals. And I felt like I was more so making sure they were becoming a recurring client in some ways. Not that it, it wasn't intentional. It right. just happened that way. And I didn't feel like I was ever helping anyone because they kept coming back for care every four, six, eight weeks rather than being able to empower a family to to learn how to really take care of a pet. And it a lot of it is just common sense and listening to your gut. And most people feel like they can't speak up with their vet. And that's one of the things that I've always tried to, I've been working on trying to do is make sure that people can question me and they don't feel like I'm an authority figure. I'm part of the team. Right. And I think that's a beautiful thing. It, to me, it seems like from my, you know, I've interviewed so many holistic and integrative mm -hmm. veterinarians. I feel like the schools are teaching you how to write a prescription. They're teaching you anatomy, physiology, surgery, how to cut things out, how to put things back together, and then how to write prescriptions. 
because, mm-hmm. you know, my own journey with my dog is I took her in because to my vet, this was 20 some years ago, my first bad experience. And I took her to the vet because she was had diarrhea and was throwing up and my dog was dead a year later. And that's because they didn't know what to do. They're not taught about diet and nutrition. <laughs> And it was a conventional vet office. I took her, it, it opened up across the street from me. So I did everything wrong. Um, and I know mm-hmm. that now. And I also have learned that question everything and don't mm-hmm. put anything in somebody else's hands. Research everything. Everything that comes out of my mouth and is on this podcast, look it up for yourself and, and verify it. Because there is so much information out there and most of it is skewed for you to buy or depend on a pharmaceutical drug. Right. And that is what happens. You get prescribed a pharmaceutical. You have to come in every, what, two, four weeks to get a blood test to make sure that that pharmaceutical isn't killing your dog too fast. I mean, it's right. like a, a it's perpetual, you know, you're always coming in. It's almost, I always like to use the example of when I discovered that the chemotherapy drug cisplatin is made from platinum and that platinum kills cancerous cells but it also kills the good cells, healthy cells. Silver, on the other hand, only kills cancerous cells and not the healthy cells. So why aren't we using silver? Why? It's almost like, well, we can get more money. We have a patient. We, do you know what I'm saying? It's just like it's, I don't, the do no harm doesn't exist anymore. It's a standard of care. You have this this is the protocol, doesn't matter, individual, you know, everything else. And then all the other things that are operating against veterinarians where constantly being introduced new drugs. Right. And touting their, what they're supposed to, to do. Yeah, I, Apoquil, everybody was like so thrilled with Apoquil. <laughs> Apoquil supposed to be used for what, one to three days and then stopped. And it's being used on a daily basis for most dogs. Right. Long-term. And the studies, I think they called it a long-term study, but I want to say it was about six months. And most dogs are on it forever once because people see response. Right. And actually, that was one of the drugs that got me really thinking because I, I, our drug reps were great. They were super nice. They came in. They bought us food. Mm-hmm. There was incentives to sell things. Oh, I'll never clients. forget the first time I called a vet office. And they were like, absolutely, we'd love to do a lunch and learn with you. I didn't know what a lunch and learn was. Oh, I was like, cool. the lunch. <laughs> so I showed up and they were like, well, what are you getting us for lunch? And I was like, oh, yeah. shit, am I supposed to? I'm not bribing you guys. I'm teaching you about yeah. the endocannabinoid yeah. system. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. not bribing you so that you buy my product. I'm just here to educate <laughs> you. <laughs> that happened. That started in veterinary school. That was like something that we just kind of assumed was how it worked. You know, a rep came in, they bought you lunch, you learned about the product. Now you were safe. It was a safe thing to use because they said so. But I actually had a Yorkie, which was 15 and incredibly itchy. And we were talking about options and she was older and I was hesitant to do prednisone. I was like, well, there's this new medication on the market. Within two days of starting it, her lymph nodes were huge everywhere. She had multicentric lymphoma. And one of the side effects of Apoquil, you should never give it to an animal with cancer. She had no clinical signs of cancer, but I'm sure her immune system was 
just barely hanging on. And I called, I got on the phone with them, deny, deny, deny. I'm like, but even in your package insert, like it says, that's causes a neoplasia. What is that? Yeah. 20% of your dogs ended up with tumors or masses on them that were in your trial. Like that's all written in the fine print that nobody read. I didn't, I didn't read it till I had a bad experience. And then I was like, oh my gosh, like you really can't trust anybody else. And as a veterinarian, I, I don't ever want to tell people what to think. Like just because I think this might be best for your dog, I want you to really think like, how should I think about this? What questions should I ask? What do I need to go home and research? And yeah, that creates a lot more dialogue between people. You can't see as many pets and it's not a a, a great business model, but ultimately I sleep a lot better at night. And I, you were mentioning the veterinary suicide rate. And this morning, another post came up on my Facebook and it was another vet who took her life that no people had no idea she was struggling. And I made myself a promise as soon as I graduated that I would never let myself get there. I would leave the profession. I would figure out the student loan thing. It wasn't worth that. And then I realized there's a way that was more like a way to practice medicine that was more in harmony with like what felt right for me. Mm-hmm. And it was a leap of faith. And it, there's, a, I have so much to learn. And there's so many really well-established veterinarians that provide kind of integrative or like solely holistic I mean, medicine isn't even the right word, I guess, at that point, but care for your pet. And it's wonderful to have resources even like this podcast because I get to learn stuff from from other veterinarians or pet professionals that I never would have would have heard otherwise. Thank you. And thank you for being so outspoken so that people can hear it from the mouth of someone who just went through it and has got to figure it out now. You know, what? Mm-hmm. what is your path? And I love it because you're taking the natural path, which is the name <laughs> of your website, the natural path vet. And I can't wait to see what you're going to do and come up with because you have figured it out and now you know how to move forward. You know, no matter what you're doing, it's going to be done with intention and healing because that's what you want to do. And I think there's a lot of vets like that. And again, it's going to be hard and we're going to have a shortage. And the good thing is, is that I know people like you, you know, we've got several now who are empowering pet parents. They're telling them the nitty gritty. They're telling them the truth. What I love is that I can interview someone like a Dr. Ruth Roberts or Ava Frick or Judy Morgan, who've been practicing holistically for 30 years. And then I can come to someone like you who's right out new and learning that this is an issue. It's been an issue for that long. So you speaking up about it hopefully will create change. If you're like us, your pets are part of the family. That's why at CBD Dog Health, we created a line of human-grade, full-spectrum hemp products tailored specifically to your furry friend's needs. Whether they're suffering from fear of fireworks, arthritis from old age, or even seizures and cancer, research shows that a high-quality CBD oil can make a big difference for them. Enter coupon code RADIO at CBDDogHealth.com for 15% off your first order. That's R-A-D-I-O. CBD Dog Health, healing naturally. So you graduate, you become a veterinarian, you get a license to practice veterinary medicine, which literally gives you the permission to write a prescription drug. Mm-hmm. What happens if you don't ever write a prescription drug? Do you still have to? So you have to be licensed to practice? Oh, yeah. Uh, do you I know see what I'm saying? saying? Like it makes me go, there's, I call it things that make me go, hmm. I don't know if you remember that song from the 80s. 
But Mm -hmm. I'm always saying that things that make me go, hmm, what happens if I open up a school, an all natural school, and we just teach it? Well, kind of like the Chi University has done. Mm -hmm. But you have to be a veterinarian to go to the Chi University. Like a naturopathic school where it's a totally different degree. So (laughs) what? I don't care. I don't get to write prescriptions but I still get to practice natural healing. That doesn't even exist. Right. That's not even allowed in this world without going through the conventional training first, right? I guess I'm trying to understand from like my, I have a good friend who's a human naturopath and in Illinois, naturopathic doctors are not licensed. So she has to work through her doctor. Yeah, of she has a doctorate in chiropractic as well. So when she when she is making treatment recommendations or, you know, herbal recommendations. She uses her doctorate in chiropractic. And so it's like you, these letters have become so important. And I really have been humbled by the number of people who just have a passion and spend so much time trying to figure out how to fix a problem because they're not getting answers. And I feel bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, exactly. And I feel so badly that they've had to go through it that way. But I would not have been a good resource back in 2015 when I graduated because I had, I, I didn't know what to offer people. And yeah, like I said, a series of events that happened just really, really changed my mindset. And there's a time and a place for prescription medications. And for some people, I feel like you can't convince them to go the holistic route, to do the herbs and the acupuncture, to use diet change, because it is a lot of time. There's a money investment as well. There's some confidence that you have to develop yourself and not everybody wants that. Some people just want to be told what to do. And so there's, I think there'll always be a little bit of both. I just feel like I'd love to see the pendulum shift towards more of that natural approach where you don't really need a veterinarian. You just need a team of people who understand health and can help you apply that to your your pet. I, that's the future. I love that you're saying that because that's already a thing in human health. There are human right. health coaches. Coaches. What the mm-hmm. hell is that? Well, Dr. Ruth Roberts, one of the vets I told you have been practicing for 30 years, has started the same equivalent for health pet coaches. So she just launched her program. If you're a vet or a vet tech, you get 40 CRE credits going through her program. I'm her cannabis awesome. and mushroom teacher, so I'm very excited about that. But I love that pet parents like myself, vet techs, anybody who is interested in animal health can literally become a health coach. And that's where I see the future where, you know, they'll be able to talk to people, a pet health coach who will be like, okay, yes, let me reach out to Dr. Ruth or let me get reach out to Dr. Beard and see, kind of like how I do. I have an issue. I text my board of advisors. And I say, what do you guys think? And it's really Mm -hmm. funny because I get to take all of their opinions and advice and mesh it into one and then make a decision. But that's kind of how it will be. You will have these different options and they're kind of like this cheerleader and coaching you through the whole process, which I think is a great thing. will be the only thing that helps us through this extreme shortage of veterinarians, especially the good ones. Yeah. And it's so appropriate to start integrating that kind of care before your pet has a problem. Right. And that's, I think that's the hard part. So many people find they want a holistic approach. I just had a, um, a client come in with a dog with degenerative myelopathy because our vet said there is nothing they could do. Mm-hmm. I was told that with Odie. Yeah. At age nine. That's why I created the East tincture. Yeah. And it's amazing to see, well, to hear that and be like, that was 
I wasn't quite that like blunt about it. I said, we can try some things, but there's not a lot of research. But then you get into the integrative world and this dog has been holding steady and slightly improved since symptoms started in October. And we're doing a lot of things. We're doing acupuncture. We're doing chiropractic. We have herbals on board. We have the, she swaps between ease and heel tinctures, change the diet. She's doing additional turmeric and other supplements to kind of support this dog. She's all in. And she also has a line. She's like, I will not cross. Once she gets to this point, if she gets to this point, if this is the disease that's going to take her, I'm not going to put her through that. Right. And not, I mean, I look at that and I'm in awe of this woman, but she's like, I wish I would have known this from the get-go because I would have tried to prevent this in my dog in any way that I could have. I would have tried to reduce the inflammatory load on her body so that Amen. at age 10, she wasn't suffering from this degenerative disease where she's losing the ability to walk. I love that you said that because it's exactly when I went through my, you know, Nina, my Doberman with osteosarcoma, mm-hmm. yeah. I said, look, if one in four large breed dogs is going to get this horrible, painful, aggressive cancer. Can I start suggesting we give, you know, large breed dogs a full spectrum hemp extract at a year old? So this is goes out to my board of advisors who are mostly holistic and integrative veterinarians. Aren't you on it? I know I want you on it. I was like, I'm pretty sure we have you on it now. Finally, she was having babies, guys. That's why it was took us a little <laughs> while to get her. But yeah. well, you're about to have a second baby. Yes, <laughs> yeah, one yes. baby now. Anyway, uh-huh. they all said, start giving it to them right as puppies. Why not yes. prevent that inflammation? We already know it's safe. The when we look at why children or kids shouldn't do smoke marijuana or do marijuana and they're young age is because of brain development. That's the THC. There's not enough THC Mm -hmm. in a full spectrum hemp extract to cause that issue. And I, we now suggest all large breed dogs or even dogs that are prone to certain awful Mm -hmm. cancers or diseases, give it to them so that that's exactly the thinking. Keep that inflammation down and help support the immune system that entire time so that hopefully that disease never, if it does surface, it's not what's going to kill them hurt them. It just kind of exists and we're maintaining it. And you you, had no, you don't have a way to compare to what it would be like if we didn't do those things. But in my mind, what we need to really focus on is there's things that are totally out of our control, environmental toxins, things that we can't control people spraying right. their grass. And that doesn't mean your dog should never go for a walk because there's risk benefit to right. everything. And, and we also have to be mindful of not overloading the system. So like, what do you do to really that you're going to get the biggest overall health span without going crazy? Because I've had people come in and they've got 56 different supplements, essential oils, flower remedies, homeopathy, like all these things. And I'm like, oh, can we look at the diet? Let's look at the big thing that you're doing every day. And then let's look at something that's going to influence multiple systems in the body rather than just focusing on one. And then build from there, depending on what your pet is going to have problems with. I would love to see breeders do more of this stuff because that's where, obviously, with shelter animals, you don't have that type of control. But seeing more and more breeders start to be mindful of how they're feeding their dogs to create healthier Mm -hmm. genes. Uh, (laughs) And so that what is expressed as puppies is already... I guess that's getting in kind of deeper stuff there, but there's a lot of generational effects that we can start to change. And I just hope that some of those over time will, will help. It's just devastating to see the number of pets that are getting cancer. I mean, I just, my dog had it three times before he passed wow. from it. And it is like a huge 
he was my best teacher. I, I should have paid him the money I paid vet school because <laughs> I learned Aww. so much more from him. But it, it is once you start listening to what people or what pets really need, it changes. And there's a lot more proactive stuff that you can do early. Yes, your investment up front is maybe a little bit bigger, but man, in the long run, <laughs> it's going to be worth it. That's what people don't understand is that, you know, dog feeding like a kibble diet, for instance, is it's yeah. like a slow kill, right? a slow degeneration that is going to rear its ugly head when they hit, when they become seniors is usually when that disease right or skin problem, or lameness, or whatever it is, starts, you know, rearing its ugly head. Odie was nine when he did his leg thing. And it's so funny, because uh, he was diagnosed with degenerative myelopathy. And then when I went to see what I could do naturally, I couldn't find anything. And so when I learned all about cannabis, I was like, Oh, yeah, I'm making him a tincture. I have no idea if he was misdiagnosed, what he had, I never saw it again, what he was doing. Now, he has severe lameness now. You know, he's like Mm -hmm. wobbly all the time now. But he, I only saw like he was like kicking out his leg uncontrollably. And I could tell he he wasn't in control of it. So last time, the chiropractic, I did acupuncture. I gave him the Mm -hmm. heel extract and I never saw it again. And literally last year, it happened again. I just went through the same process and again, went away. So I don't know what the heck it was, but that's what a vet did. I've been, you know, diagnosed so many different things that I'm just, you know, believe the diagnosis, but not the prognosis. It's like, thank you for the diagnosis. Now I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do and find the natural way to, to help my pet instead of making things worse or loading them up with pain meds. And he wouldn't, I know he wouldn't be here still if I had gone her route. Yeah. And I, the other thing that I've kind of learned too is a diagnosis is still just a symptom. It's a symptom of the body saying, I'm out of balance. Please help oh, me I love that. get back. And that's a really, it's a hard thing to do because that's not what we're taught in veterinary school. What I was taught is you manage allergies, you manage diabetes, wow. you manage arthritis. Like they will, it's, it's something. And when you say that, I mean, it, that's a kind way of saying <laughs> these clients will continue to come back for their insulin, for their Rimadol, for their whatever. And you will have a forever client, especially with allergies. I mean, I was, I've since moved out of Chicago since I was practicing a bit more in like more conventional settings, but I was seeing allergies at eight, nine, 10 months old. And I'm like, well, what in the world has this puppy been exposed to compared to the dogs I see in the suburbs. So many of them do doggy daycare and are required all these vaccines that are not necessarily appropriate for their mm-hmm. lifestyle. And I, I could not, I've never, and I haven't seen it since back in the suburbs and I'm not seeing it again. And it's just, in some ways, are we causing some of this by Absolutely. failing to look at the, all of the potential, the goods and the bads and trying to figure, figure it out. It, that's not really how we're were taught in school. Or if it was, I really misunderstood what the, <laughs> what the professors were telling us. It seemed like this is how you manage this. So you're really not looking for the cure. You're just managing it forever. No, cure is not a word that is every once in a while on college, you would hear cure. Were they, are you allowed to say remission? Yeah, yes. There, yes. But cure is just not, a lot of times it's a even if an animal is like hit by a car and needs some orthopedic surgery, they're going to have long-term arthritis from where that 
injury was. And instead of looking, I mean, even things like physical therapy were minimized in school, even though we had we had a rotation with it. it. Like we had a whole section of our hospital dedicated to it. It was never really discussed how important it was. I think a holistic approach still isn't throwing a ton of herbs or natural remedies at a pet. It's this, it's this lifestyle and it goes beyond the clinic. It really does start at home with good interaction with your pet and getting outside with your pet and doing the things your pet loves. Because if you, I mean, we think about ourselves, if we're not doing things we love, we start to get depressed. We don't feel so great. And then that's an opportunity for the body to get out of, out of balance. It's, it's not, um, I feel like diseases are not, people have a hard time connecting like long, like you're saying kibble with a chronic or an issue that pops up later. But most diseases aren't like Amazon prime delivery. They don't happen like within a few hours of the incident short of like getting hit by a car. It's this insidious process that's happening. And there are warnings and there are bumps that pop up that that vet will just chop off. Right. That's what's amazing. I think about dogs is that everything pops up in the skin and goes, I got an issue. Do something about it. And then it internalizes if you're not going to do, and Finn's first cancer was very external and quote unquote cured by surgery. But as I kind of, and I started to evolve and change things, but there is six and a half years of mistakes I made with this poor dog who came from a very traumatic experience before I adopted him. And I think all of that plays in and it's not always, we don't have all of the answers for every pet, how to remedy and balance everything. But it's still a great learning. I mean, he was a great teacher. And I'm sure you feel that way about, you know, Nina and other oh, pets yeah. that you've had too. That's why you do what you do. I literally have created my products to help my animals that I mm-hmm. take care of. That's amazing. Because I couldn't find anything. I would go, mm-hmm. or if I would learn about something and I couldn't find it made correctly, or they added extra ingredients, or was it potent enough, or whatever it is. Right. What's your opinion of why you're not taught about the endocannabinoid system in school, which is now known as the master system of our bodies that's in control of all of our other systems. And when something is off, it is its responsibility to bring us back into homeostasis. So this is the most important system. There's now been six or seven endocannabinoids that have been discovered where there are these other actions that are happening in our body that we know about that they're now going, that's the endocannabinoid system. Oh yeah, that? You know about that? You know about FAAs? That's the endocannabinoid system. So I'm becoming real cool now that they're finding this type of research. But why do you think that you're not taught anything about the endocannabinoid system? Because it's named after cannabis? (laughs) Well, that probably is part of the problem, especially when I, I mean, I don't know if things have changed since the farm bill went through. I graduated before that. Yeah, I highly doubt it. It doesn't. But the people teaching there was one, one of our anesthesiologists did do acupuncture. And in hindsight, I remember wa- like I remember watching him and it was a very like Western approach to acupuncture. It wasn't really looking at the, the system and how it would be influenced. So we didn't really have any in, anybody who thought beyond very conventional medicine. And I, I think it's extremely complex. It's extremely integrated. And it also... I think if you balance the endocannabinoid system, you don't have other problems to manage for the rest of the pet's life. And I don't think, frankly, some of it is just, I probably, if I've said it once already, but when you're inside of a box and you don't know you're inside of a box, how in the world do you think outside of the box? And 
this is a curriculum that's been put into place and approved and it's there's I just don't think it would it would fly there was an integrative veterinary club and I, in hindsight I wish I was part of it to know what I could have could have learned and saved myself three years of misery because I was a very unhappy vet. I was very Aww. unhappy. And those so, clubs exist in just about every school, holistic yes. and integrative clubs. And guess what, folks? Those clubs are the ones that invite me to come speak because the schools mm-hmm. don't invite me to come speak, but the students do. And they come on their lunch hour, which gives me hope, <laughs> come on their lunch hour to come hear someone talk about the endocannabinoid system and mm-hmm. cannabis and mushroom medicine. And that's a beautiful thing. And those are the students. Those are those good ones we don't want to lose. And that's why we need to support them so much. I think we're out of time. And I, again, enjoyed my conversation with you so much. I cannot wait to see what you're going to do because I know you're going to make such an impact. And I want to thank you for being one of those good ones and figuring (laughs) it out and being another vet that's going to empower us pet parents to to figure it out and trust our gut and know what to at least walk into when we're walking into a vet office of, no, I don't want that. Right. Don't be afraid. to. You're hiring your vet. Never be afraid to speak up. And if they're going to get defensive, that is not the veterinarian for you. Right. And move on. Frankly, you might not even need a veterinarian. There are times where you do. You absolutely do. But more often than not, if you have a really good pet food store that is is really advocating for species and moisture. I, I learned so much walking into those. It was very humbling the first time I walked into one and they started talking about Dr. Karen Becker and I was like, who is this woman? She's part of the reason, she's who I reached out to to get into the integrative world years ago. Um, awesome. And so it is, it's a, it's a small network. Hopefully it continues to grow and hopefully we also as veterinarians recognize the importance of everybody that is working towards the same goal. It's not about the letters behind the name. It's the passion that people have to bring health and healing to pets. There's too much to know. Yeah. There's too much to know and we can all learn from each other. Absolutely. It takes a village. It does. Do you do online consultations? Can people um, go online? Not yet. Not yet. I'm going on maternity leave like on Monday. Um, so, but I am working, hopefully my platform will launch in mid summer and then I'm working through the legalities of, yeah, doing some consultations, but I will definitely have a course that will become available by the end of this year. Just call it a coaching session or a consultation. You'll be fine. Yeah. You can't, I've already (laughs) talked with the Illinois board. They're very like, nope, you can't, I have to, I cannot call myself I'm veterinary trained, but not a veterinarian. If I'm, I can't be your veterinarian when we're talking online. I will, I will have those options available on my website once that launches. But I just figured it needs to come after the baby because I can't really yes, support no. people and figure out how to do two little ones, two little two-legged ones at least. That's um, right. But well, we are glad that you're doing that, and I want people to know that that's what I do. So if I have an issue, yes. I will go to literally. I have a trusted emergency vet that I like. That I'll go mm-hmm. get the blood work done, the X, whatever my, you know, my team tells me to do, and then mm-hmm. send them the results and go over it. So that is something everybody can do. If you cannot find a vet that you love and trust, this is something that you're able to do. Thank you, Lauren, so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And of congratulations course. on your new baby. I hope everything goes awesome. And I can't Thank wait. You till you're back and we'll talk to you again like what in a year and see what you're up to next yeah let's do it awesome thank you great have a good one bye-bye you too bye 
Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please make sure to leave us a review wherever you're listening from. This is the best way to help pet parents like you find these episodes and get access to all our content. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Your Natural Dog and at AngelaArtolino.com. Introducing MycoDog, an award-winning line of medicinal mushroom extracts combined with adaptogens like ashwagandha, astragalus root, and bacopa monieri, made specifically for your pets. When it comes to mushrooms, sourcing really matters. Unlike other products on the market that are grown in China or elsewhere, the mushrooms in MycoDog tinctures are grown here in the United States to the highest quality standards. MycoDog offers three formulas designed to support senior dogs, as well as those suffering from dementia and canine cognitive disorder, breathing and respiratory issues, or autoimmune diseases and cancer. Use coupon code YNDPODCAST at MycoDog.com for 10% off these fantastic fungi.